Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Today I will be talking on God's plan for the nations. God's plan for the nations. God has always had a plan for the nations. The plans of God for the nations is the same yesterday, is the same today, and it's the same forever. That is why in John chapter 15 verse 8, the apostle John quoting Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Father is concerned about us bearing fruit. That is why Jesus said in his last words, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, that we need to go, that we need to go. Jesus' description of the kingdom of God includes images of abundance and fruitfulness. When Jesus was describing the kingdom, he gave us images of fruitfulness and abundance about the kingdom such as catching of fish that breaks nets, soils, plants that bear fruitful harvest. Jesus spoke about the yeast power to be medium of transformation and expansion. He also told his disciples that bringing the harvest from every tribe into the kingdom is their responsibility. He made it very clear to his disciples, bringing the harvest into the kingdom What's the responsibility of the disciples? It is our responsibility today to bring the harvest from all the nations. He told his disciples never to bury the resources that they have been given, but multiply them according to their capacities. The disciples were encouraged not to bury the resources that God has given them, but he wanted them to use the resources according to their capacities. But it is however sad today that in the church today, many of us in the churches today, many of us are sitting in neutral. We are sitting in neutral. There are others who are in reverse gear. They are not going forward, they are just in reverse gear. But there are still others who we call MIA. They are missing in action, completely missing in action. If we keep on doing the same things over and over again, we'll only get the same result, and the same result will not get the work done. If we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, we'll get the same result. And the same result will not get the work done. Our Father will not be glorified. In fact, if we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, and we expect to get a different result, we call that insanity. When you keep on doing the same thing over and again, expecting to get a different result, we call that that is the definition of insanity. God has a plan. He has a plan for the nations. And today I want to bring out four things that I consider to be the core of the plan of God. And if we can only walk according to the plan of God, then we will have a different result. His name will be glorified and his kingdom will expand. One of the plans of God is that we should see people the way he sees them. One of the plans of God 
is to see people the way God sees them. See people the way God sees them. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom, these principles of the kingdom, these rules of the kingdom, this core value of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, all over, as a testimony. Some versions say as a witness. Then the end will come. It means God was saying that every segment is important. No segment should be left behind. Every segment should be brought into the kingdom by preaching the word, by speaking the word to them. This gospel of the kingdom of God, this rule of the kingdom has to be preached to every segment, every segment in the nation of America, every segment in Latin America, every segment in Asia, Every segment in Africa should hear this gospel of the kingdom. That was what God is saying. That's what God is saying to us. When God looks at nations, especially nations that don't have the Jesus option, God sees people that are lost. God sees that people are lost. But also, God sees among the nations not only people that are lost, but God sees people that are helpless. He sees people not only helpless, but God sees people that are harassed by the devil. And he sees people that need a savior. That is what he sees every day. When he looks at the nations, when he looks at people worshiping false gods, when he looks at people engulfed in worldliness, when he sees people paying attention to other gods, he sees that they are lost. He sees them with a different lens. That they are helpless. They are lost in their traditions. They are lost in their religions. They are lost in their ignorance. And they realize that they are helpless. Their ignorance will not save them. Their philosophies will not save them. Their religion will not save them. And they realize that they are harassed by the enemy. That is why he says in John chapter 10 verse 10a, he says that the thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They are harassed by the devil. But they need a savior. In John 10, verse 10b, he says, But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. These people need a savior. And it's our responsibility to bring that message of the savior to them. So the plan of God is that all of us should see people the way God sees them. When we see people the way God sees them, then we'll realize that they are lost. Then we'll realize that they are helpless. Then we'll realize that they are harassed by the devil. Then we'll realize that they need a savior. So we cannot just judge them. We cannot just criticize them. We cannot just condemn them. We will do something because we see them differently. My encouragement and my challenge to all of us today is to begin to see the lost people with a different lens. Begin to see the people that are dying in sin with a different lens. Begin to see the tribes and the nations with a different lens. See them the way God is seeing them. Let me share a story. A few years ago, you know, back home 
We have what we call half-night prayers and whole-night prayer. Half-night prayer normally starts by 8, and we'll pray from 8 to 12 midnight. We call that half-night prayer. And whole-night prayer starts by 12 midnight. We pray from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. And we have hundreds and thousands of people in different places that we show up to pray. And one of the nights while we were praying, my house was very close to the church. So I locked the doors. I put the key in my pocket. So I came to pray. At around 3 in the morning, 3 a.m. local time, I started feeling the urge to go back to the house to check. I was just feeling, go back to the house. Go back to the house. But I'm saying, but I've locked the doors and I have the key. But finally, I decided to go and check. I met the door wildly open. I had the keys in my pocket, but the door was wildly open. So I started to think, but I closed the door. How is this door open? And then I saw this image of a very well-built, huge young man. He was packing some bags, packing things. Then I asked in the local language, who are you? He said, it's me. He was very confident. It's me. And I said, who is me? And he said, it's me. And then I realized that he was a thief. He has broken into the house while we are praying. And he's packing things to run away with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, in, back home, we just shout, thief. We don't call the police. You just shout, thief. And all of a sudden, people will come out. The moment I shouted, thief, people came out. And most times, we don't hand them over to the police. Most times, we just do them, we just discipline them and release them to go. <laughs> and so when these guys came from the church who have been praying, they wanted to beat the thief. I said, no, 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 you are praying. How can you come up for praying to beat the thief? I said, leave him. So I said, let's take him to the church. So we took this guy to the church. And I told him to sit down. We made sure we closed all the doors. <laughs> just in case we don't want to be praying while he's escaping. And while we were praying, I had some young guys who are now grown up. They are now big men. They will wait if I'm not concentrating. They will come around and give him a kick a little bit. And say, you wait us till morning. We'll show you what, what we are capable of doing. I realized they wanted to really give him sound beating. So by five in the morning, I took him. And I took him to my room, and I said, sit down here, and I locked the door. I came back and joined them to pray. By six, when we finished praying, everybody was saying, Pastor Priest, bring the thief, bring him out. I said, he's gone. I let him go. They said, oh, you should have allowed us to, to just discipline him a little bit. <laughs> but what happened, I went in and gave him a breakfast. I fixed a breakfast for him, and I told him, eat. Around about 12 midday, I said, let's go to your house. And I accompanied him to his house. He introduced me to his wife and his two kids. When I sat down in that home, I realized that there was abject poverty there. And I took money and I bought a bag of rice. I told the wife, go and buy a bag of rice. And I gave him some money, gave the wife some money for condiments. And that is how our relationship started with this man who was a thief. We became friends. He started coming to the church. I started discipling him. He was baptized. His family was baptized. And we gave him some clothes, gave the family some clothes. Even people in the church could not even recognize him any longer. 
This man grew up. After some time, he told me he wanted to go to the east to do some things, so do some business. I blessed him, helped him with some money. He went to the east. But after six months, he wrote me a letter. He said to me, I have come to do business, but I've been thinking about you so much. He said, you have touched my life, and I want to be a pastor like you. And so that's how he came back, and I trained him, I coached him, I discipled him, sent him to a Bible school he studied, and today he's a pastor with a church of about 500 people. He's also planting churches. The reason is, others saw him as a thief, even though he was a thief. But I saw something different in him. You know, there are times, there are people we are seeing today, nations and tribes we are seeing today. God has a different plan for them. God sees them differently. So my encouragement is that we begin to see people, see the nations, see some neighbors who are lost. See them the way God sees them. But the second plan of God is that we go. Be motivated to go. I call it the go factor. That we go. In Matthew 28, when you read from verse 18, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. When Jesus said this to his disciples, I wonder what was going through their mind. Because you know, the disciples were expecting a different thing. When you read the Bible in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, and they gathered together and came to Jesus and said, when are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? When are you going to hand over the kingdom to us? And in verse 7, Jesus said, in Acts 1, 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time and the dates that the Father has kept according to his authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's what Jesus said to them. But that was not what they were expecting. They were expecting a political kingdom. I believe very strongly Peter was expecting that. You know, he was going to become the prime minister. John was expecting that he was going to be the minister of foreign affairs. Judas was expecting that he would be the minister of the treasury. So they were expecting different positions. But now Jesus is saying to them, you will be my witnesses. Therefore, go. Because all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. So Jesus was saying to them, I want you to go to the Romans whom you hate and who hates you so much. Go to the Romans and be my witness. I want you to go to the Samaritans and be my witness. You hate them with godly passion, but go to them and be my witness. I want you to go to your fellow Jews and be my witness to them. I want you to go to the ends of the earth that you have no clue about. Go to them and be my witness. Church tradition tells us that the Jews hated the Romans with godly passion. They hated them. If our church tradition says that if a Jew is coming this way and a Roman is also coming, the Jew will step out of the road and turn his back on the Roman and allow the Roman to pass by. 
before the Jew will step back on the road and keep on moving. That was the level of enmity. And now Jesus is saying to them, go to the Romans and be my witness. So when God speaks to us about go, this is what I believe Jesus is saying to us as we listen to him. He's saying to us, go to the people that are different from you. Go to the people that are different from you. Go to the people that are like you. Go to the people that hate you. Go to the people that will want to even kill you. Go to them. People whose culture is different from your culture. People whose food is different from your food. Their language is different from your own language. The way they speak is different. You are time conscious. They are not time conscious. They are relaxed. When you test their food, you ask, where is this food coming from? You know, that is what God is saying to all of us. Leave your comfort zone and go. Because if we don't go, how are they going to hear this gospel? If we don't go, how will these people be touched with this gospel of salvation, with this gospel of the kingdom? God is relying on us to go. So people that are different from us, their food is different from us. Their culture is different from our own culture. Let me tell you something that happened that was very interesting. A few years ago, some missionaries, they went to visit. So while we were traveling to the city of Bo on a very dusty road, they said to me, Shudanke, please, when we get to the next restroom, please, we stop the vehicle so that we can have a time. We want to use the restroom when we get to the next restroom. I said, Okay. So we got to a place, and we had a narrow road going down into the bush. I told the driver, stop. And I said, please, we are now in the next restroom, the next restroom. Please come down. And they came down, and they said, where is the restroom? I said, just follow this footpath, and you will see the restroom in front of you. So they believed me. They followed the, route, the path, and they were just going. And they said, Shudanke, we are not seeing the restroom. I said, the restroom is in front of you. All the bush is a restroom. Just do what you want to do. The restroom is in front of you. The bush is the restroom. And we have been laughing about that up to today. The reason is that it's different from their culture. The bush is a restroom. Different from the culture. Another missionary friend went to visit. And when he went, we gave him water in the bucket because there were no running waters. We gave him water in the bucket and we took it to the bathtub and we put the bucket down. And he came to take his shower. And he said, Shudanke, I've not seen the shower. I said, the water is in the bucket. He said, what am I going to do with it? I said, scoop it on your head. Just take it and scoop it. That is technology made simple. <laughs> so God is calling us to go to people that are different from us. God is calling us. You know, because I have obeyed to go to villages and towns, even my own country, I've eaten food that is so strange. I've eaten food that I never ate before. I slept on beds that I've never slept before. But you know, it is very important for me. And that is why I refer to my stomach as intercontinental stomach. <laughs> I can eat anything. That is what Jesus meant to go. But the third thing that he wanted us to do is not only to go. So really, go refers to not only a change. It's not only moving. It's a change of heart. Go refers to not only moving, 
is a change of heart. Loving people and loving God. Just loving them for who they are. Just loving them where they are. Just loving them with a love in your heart. And then you will go. It's not just moving. It refers to a change of heart. The third thing that I believe the plan of God is for the nation is that we make disciples who make disciples. We make disciples who make disciples. In Matthew 29 verse 19b, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, all tribes, make disciples, all segments of the population, make disciples. For us, discipleship is about loving God and choosing to obey him and his commandment in every area of our lives. Loving God and choosing to obey him and obey his commandment in every area of our lives. Discipleship does not, does not flow out of duty. Discipleship does not flow out of duty. This is what I'm supposed to do. No. Discipleship does not flow out of reward. If I do this, it will benefit me. Discipleship does not flow out of fear. If I don't do this, I will be punished. Discipleship flows out of love for God. It flows from the natural heart of loving God and loving people. So Jesus is expecting us to disciple. I also, when I look at discipleship, I realize that it is a threefold call. Threefold call. The first thing is that discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. A call to follow Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Mark 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 17b. In Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Matthew 4, 19. Mark 1, 17b. In Luke 5, 10b. Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Discipleship is to follow Jesus. It's not to follow our denominations. It's not about following our doctrines. It's about following Jesus first. Because he died for us. It was Jesus that came to this planet, walked the shores of this planet. It was Jesus that went to the cross. It was Jesus that went down into the grave. It was Jesus that resurrected. It was Jesus that gave us life. So discipleship is about pointing people to Jesus. So when we make disciples, when we disciple our children, our family, when we disciple people in the working place, in our workplaces, when we disciple our business partners, when we disciple people in the nations, we should point the people to Jesus, not to ourselves. We did not do all of it. We did not die on the cross. We are not even qualified to die. The next thing is that Discipleship is not only about pointing people to Jesus. Discipleship is to fish for men. He said in those verses, I will make you fishers of men. Not only to follow him, but discipleship to fish for men. To fish for men. I will make you fishers of men. You know, the disciples understood because they were fishermen. Now Jesus is saying, I'm going to change you from becoming fishers fishing in other words, you are fishing for fish, but now I'm going to change you to begin to fish for men. Fish for the lost people. Discipleship is about fishing for men. But also the other fold of discipleship is to teach, mentor, coach people, model the life of Jesus before them. And so that they will be followers of Jesus. So that they will be good followers of Jesus. That is what 
discipleship is all about. Teach people. If we are going to disciple people, it is very important that there are three things we should learn if we are going to disciple people. If we are going to teach them to follow Jesus, if we are going to, you know, teach them to fish for men, if we are going to be a model, three things I want you to remember. The first thing, every, every disciple maker should be a great listener. Be a great listener. Wherever you go in the world, listen to people. Even if you know, pretend you don't know, listen to them. It is very important. The second thing is that be a great learner. Learn from the people. They have something to tell you. You have something to learn from them. Even if you're a genius, there's something you don't know. Learn from them. That reminds me, you know, the third thing that you need to know before I give you a very good illustration. Not only a great learner, but also you can be a great storyteller and a teacher. Be a great listener, a great learner, and a great teacher or a great storyteller. You know, a few years ago, I visited California in San Jose. I stayed with a guy who had this wonderful house, beautiful house. He had never traveled out of America. And he, he has no idea about the rest of the world. So when he saw me as an African coming from Africa, in his mind, he thought, I really have very little idea about technology. So this man took me around this house, and he was showing me, this is the light. You switch it on, and you switch it off. I said, okay. Then he took me to the toilet. He said, you press this button and the water come out. I said, okay, fine. And then he took me to his jacuzzi that he had. He said, this is jacuzzi. This is how you operate it. And I was listening. I followed him. And I saw he was so happy because he's teaching me something. After a few years, I invited him to Sierra Leone. When he went to Sierra Leone, he stayed in the guest house. He realized there are, there are lights all over the place. And I put him in a room where there was a jacuzzi. And he saw this jacuzzi. After two days, he came to me and said, Shudanke, so you really had all of this? I said, yes. He said, why didn't you tell me? I said, I wanted to learn from you. And that created a good relationship. I want to say, be a great learner. Even if you know, pretend you don't know. Learn from the people. It is very important. And because we learn from people, because we make disciples that make disciples, this will multiply the kingdom. It will expand the kingdom of God. And the glory will go to our Father in heaven. But the fourth thing, the plan of God for the nations, teach obedience, not just knowledge. Teach obedience, not just knowledge. In Matthew 28, verse 20a, he said, teach them to obey all that have commanded you. Teach them to obey all that have commanded you. Any form of discipleship that is not based on obedience is not discipleship at all. Any form of discipleship that is not based on obedience is not discipleship at all. Obedience is a foundation to discipleship, which is precisely why the Lord himself commanded that we build our discipleship upon it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The challenge we have today is that many have changed teaching to obey, to teaching them good doctrines. Many have changed teaching to obey to teaching them good doctrine. Or even teaching them to feel fine about themselves. We have changed that from obedience to teaching good doctrines or teaching them to feel fine about themselves. 
Obedience is not an academic game. Obedience is not an academic game. It's not a head knowledge. Obedience is a heart knowledge. It's something that flows naturally from the heart. Something that even the ordinary man can do without you. That is obedience. Jesus also said to his disciples in John 14 verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. If you love me, you will keep my commandment. This is simply cause and effect. If you love, you will keep his commandment. You don't have to argue. You don't have to give excuses. You don't have to avoid. You do it and it flows naturally from the heart. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. Discipleship is about getting the work done, getting better together. We don't have to police people in as when they fail to obey. We sit with them and tell them, how can I help you to become better? How can I help you to be good at what you are doing? How can I help you to get to the place where you want to go? It is about empowering people. It's not about policing their lives. That is what God is calling us to do. To teach obedience wherever we go. Teach obedience in the home. Teach obedience to our disciples. When we do this, we are part of the plan of God. Let me conclude by saying this. C.S. Lewis said, and I quote, we are in, we are in an enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is, and we are agents of change. We are in an enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is, and we are agents of change. If we do God's will as if it is our own will, if we do God's plan as if it is our own plan, God will do our own plan as if it is his own plan. God is encouraging us today. We can't afford to sit in neutral. We can't afford to continue to be in reverse gear. We can't afford to be missing in action. God is encouraging us to stop being spectators, jump into the playing field, and be a participant. Bring a change. Go according to the plan of God. See people the way God is seeing them. See them the way God is seeing them. Go. Make disciples and teach them to obey all that God has commanded. When we do this, we'll bring glory to the Father and the kingdom will expand. You can do it because ordinary men are doing it. You see, that which is ordinary, when it is touched by God, it becomes extraordinary. What man cannot do, God can do. Because he is the only one that specializes in impossibilities. I encourage and I charge all of us today. Let us be participants of God's plans for the nation. Somebody will say, how can I do it? Pray. Mobilize others to pray. Support others that are going. But you can also go. By doing this, your father will be glorified and the kingdom will expand. And when all is done, you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. With that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we glorify you. You are better. You are greater than what people say, God. You are greater than what people feel. Father, I pray today that your word will have a place in our heart. I pray in the name of Jesus, 
for your power, for your glory, for your might in our hearts today. That we will be witnesses, that we will go according to your plan. We will begin to see the lost the way you see them. Father, we pray that we will go. Father, we also pray in the name of Jesus that, Father, we will make disciples who make disciples. We pray, Jesus, that we will teach obedience as we go, everywhere we go, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that we will not be men's pleasers, but we will be God's pleasers. Father, touch hearts today. Let your presence fill this place. Let your presence touch hearts today. Touch homes. We pray for the healing hand of God, the power of God to transform in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Abba Father. We lift your name up and we glorify you. We thank you, Father. Let all honor, all glory, and all praise go to you, Father. Receive every honor, every glory, and every praise. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.